You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to 2016 and another edition of the Weekly Wrap-Up here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us, of course, as usual, is Eric Sprott. Eric, Happy New Year. Hey, Craig. Happy New Year to you, too. Uh, at least we got a reasonably good start to our year here for a change, so uh, maybe things are looking up for us. Hey, we'll take it. It's, it's kind of fun to be a gold bug when gold is up 4% and the stock market is down 4% year-to-date. That, that's a big difference in four days, you know, in terms of uh, relative performance. And I might even add that in a lot of currencies, gold is up a lot more than 4%. You know, if you're living in Canada or Australia or all these countries where their currencies devalued China, for example. So been a good been a good start to the year. It's an excellent point. You know, and I was even running the numbers last night before gold got pushed back overnight. It, it went up and tapped its 100-day moving average, and that that line has contained it quite a bit all through 2015. But before it got shoved back last night, and when the futures were down last night, there was a point that going back to December or December 31st of 2014 where both gold and the U.S. stock market were down about the same amount. Pretty, you know, that makes our, our pet rocks look a little bit better. A little bit better. Things are definitely looking better. And, uh, of course, I think there's lots of reasons with this uh, carnage going on in markets and the uncertain economic environment, which we can talk about, as should be causing lots of people around the world to be uh, considering uh, having some precious metals in their portfolios. Let's talk about that uncertain economic environment. We've seen all of the fourth quarter U.S. GDP numbers get marked down. A lot of them are below 1% now. We won't get the first update until the last week of January, but gosh, that ought to be of interest to everybody. But in the face of that, in the face of all these other slowing economic indicators, just a few minutes ago, we got a huge number from uh, our BLS. We Here at uh, my site, we call it the BLSBS for a number of reasons, and this might be right. one of them. Almost 300,000 jobs, but yeah. maybe more importantly, a decline in aver- average hourly earnings for the first time in over a year. What do you make of all this, Eric? Well, I've always, well, first of all, I don't believe any of the jobs numbers because they're put out by the government who wants us to think that everything's wonderful. Uh, when on the ground, I don't think it's wonderful at all. And of course, the one thing that's uh, never pointed out is that a lot of companies are ditching full-time jobs to bring on part-time people to avoid the um, the, the health care taxes. Uh, and a lot of the hiring has been going on in the part-time sector. And, of course, a part-time mm. wage is nowhere near a full-time wage. Right. Uh, and so I, I rather doubt that, you know, if you put it in dollars and cents, I'll bet you that there's no more income being earned in December this year than there was last year. But costs are going up. These whole CPI numbers are a bit of a joke. And anybody who's paying rent or, or paying uh, uh, health care fees or putting kids through school, they know everything's going up. So this squeezes on. And, uh, you know, I think one of the, as you think about the whole goings-on in the market, it might just be the, the awareness that all of the uh, money printing and uh, uh, zero interest rates have not really caused any economic recovery anywhere, including, of course, Japan that's had 25 years of this and can't even uh, get out of recession. So, and we saw car sales were weak. Uh, we've seen uh, stores like Macy's have weak sales. We've got many, many more companies to report those numbers, but I don't think it was a very good 
year for anyone, including stockholders, of course, who lost money last year. Um, so I, I don't, you know, we don't even have a wealth effect anymore, and that was the only thing that supposedly was good because I think the economy is basically stalling out here. Certainly appears that way all around the world, uh, no doubt about it. And now we've got this renewed currency war around the world. We we had our first real bout of it back in August when China started devaluing the yuan, and boy, the ripples were sent out all around the world to the point where we had that, what we call Blue Monday, August 24th, where the, the Dow Jones could have opened down 3,000 if, if the circuit breakers hadn't kicked in. A lot of that same stuff to start out 2016. It's affecting global markets. Do you expect that to continue? Well, I do, and I've always thought it would. Um, but the various central planners have kind of held it in here. Uh, but now we have a situation where I think when you look at China, who's probably the, is the biggest economic consumer of things, uh, there's no doubt that uh, they've way over-lent and over-borrowed, if you will. Uh, you look at the Baltic Dry Index and the other measures of real consumption, and they are very, whether exports, for example, which are way down, imports that are way down. I mean, we're not talking, we're talking double-digit changes here. So, in my mind, their economy is probably shrinking. Most of the PMIs there keep going down all the time, as reported. So I, I think the outlook for China, they're not making this transition to sort of a consumer economy that they might have expected. And I think that the stock market in China is reflecting that, that there's just it, there's not much growth going on. And we see, we see other things that tell us that. For example, we see these articles about... Uh, the uh, iPhone demand for for Apple from their producers is they say the orders are down thirty percent. Samsung just came out this morning and reported a so-so quarter, but said sixteen is looking a little more difficult. And it only makes sense because we don't get the wage increases that we used to get, but costs are still going up. So I think China is going to weigh on the world, uh, and you need someone. You know, coming out of '08, quite frankly, it was China that really reversed things by spending huge amounts of money in 08 economically. And they brought, pulled everyone up. This time, that is not going to happen. So I suspect that, you know, weakness will beget weakness uh, internationally. We have so many um, countries that are ridiculously borrowing, and, and now some of those interest rate costs might start going up if we get a discerning bond market, which we seem to be getting a discerning bond market when you look at what's happened to high yield and even the, uh, the corporate debt, the rates of interest are going up because the market's getting concerned about being repaid here. So uh, it's, it's not looking good. I think you're going to see it, it just total realization that the recovery is not there, never was there, that we've been lied to consistently. And everyone wants to sort of mage, wave this magic wand and pretend everything's okay. But I think your average listener and the average guy who's thinking about it will realize there's very, very little recovery going on. Well, I tell you, and you mentioned high yield. I think that is going to be one of the big stories in 2016 as we deal with this uh, economic malaise, if that's yeah. the right word, uh, yeah. slowdown. You know, the, yeah. the, these currency wars have ripples through the emerging markets as well. And the investors everywhere, I'm sure certain people, list, people listening to us, are exposed to emerging markets. They probably own a high-yield fund. All of that is going to be impacted in 2016 if this trend continues. I, what can folks do? I mean, are, are there steps they can take to, to act now to get ahead of well, this? Well, the reality is, Craig, that 
you know, most stocks went down significantly in the U.S. last year, like 10 or 15%. The average stock went down 10 or 15%. It was just, you know, these few uh, key stocks that went up that kind of held the averages together, even though they ended down. And, of course, most emerging markets are in bear markets already. So now we have almost this universal bear market thing happening. In fact, I would guess after what's happened this week that the average stock is probably down in a bear market right now, i.e. down 20%. Mm-hmm. So we got emerging markets, we got Europe, we got China, the U.S., the average stock is in a bear market. I mean, it just looks to me like this long overdue bear market is, uh, is about to unfold, and people should be very cautious about buying into the the Ponzi scheme, if you will, that everything's going to be okay, because I, I certainly have never believed it will be okay. That's why I've always believed that people should have gold and silver, precious metals, because it's the one thing that will stand the test of time. Well, and kind of sticking with that China theme, Eric, you know, we, we're watching gold rally this year. We're starting from such a low point, it's almost impossible not to think we're finally going to break this downtrend uh, in 2016. One of the things, though, that we're waiting for is a, a, a breakage of this this paper price dominance, this this uh, bullion banking, fractional reserve bullion banking dominance through the COMEX and through London. And one of the things that, that I've been anticipating for a couple of years now is this yuan-denominated fix that's been uh, bandied about, uh, told that that's been being worked on. I finally saw an article on Reuters this week said that is coming in April. A yuan-denominated daily fix. If that does actually come in April, do you have any thoughts on how that might impact things? Well, uh, most of those things that were supposed to happen in China and other times have not eventuated, right? Good point. So uh, I'm hoping that it happens. I think it will make a big difference. Uh, the key question is, does China want to keep buying gold cheap, or do they, or do they want, want the price really to, to, to go where it should be? Um, and, of course, uh, as we look at what's happened in um, precious metals this week, of course, we'll all have to wait for the commitment of traders board. And, you know, did the commercials yet again go short? Because if they went short, you know that uh, we're going to be due for some trouble here because yep. we haven't not broken that uh, bondage with the paper market yet, although there's lots of signs of strength in terms of people's interest in buying gold and silver demand in various countries remains incredibly strong. I've always believed there's more consumption than than there is supply. Um, but governments, central banks, keep supplying the difference. And nobody really knows what they have in their, their vaults, but uh, I, I think that day's coming when we'll all find out that they're pretty well tapped out here. So that will come someday. I hope that the, the April opening of the, um, the gold exchange in China will make a difference. We just got to wait and see. It keeps getting delayed, so I'm going to have to wait and see. <laughs> I think that's probably the prudent way to look at it. Uh, if history is any guide, you're right. But it'd be, it, boy, if they could get it done, it, it sure would seem to be a game changer. You know, another interesting thing I saw this week was a report. It was picked up uh, on Zero Hedge that UBS, that big uh, historic, if you will, bullion bank out of Switzerland, actually thinks we've seen a bottom in gold prices and uh, could be beginning the next phase of the bull market, long-term bull market in gold. I thought that was interesting because coincident with the timing. You mentioned the Commitment of Traders report, the once-a-month bank participation report from December, which now is about a month ago, actually showed the 20 largest non-U.S. banks being net long for the first time that I can recall. 
And so now here's a non-U.S. bank saying that prices are due to rally. I, what, I mean, obviously you're a gold man like I am. You probably want to be optimistic for 2016, but do you feel pretty good as we enter this year for prices? Well, you know, it's interesting, Craig. I've always believed all the elements are there to cause people to go to gold. But now we have a new element. We have this market uncertainty happening on our territory. So I think lots of people will be visiting this subject. Nothing's working now, right? Stocks aren't going up. Bonds aren't going up. Junk bond is cratering. Um, we're probably going to see weakness in the housing market here, I'm guessing, going forward. So where are you going to put your money? And as these, some of these uh, advisors are looking for opportunities, I mean, one of the obvious ones would be uh, precious metals because they've been in this four-year bear market. And all bear markets end. And the reasons for everyone in the world to own gold keep getting stronger day by day because of the volatility of currencies and markets. Excellent point. And uh, with that, why don't we just segue into the last thing I wanted to ask you about. I follow the miners, as I know you do, uh, primarily here in, in the U.S. on the New York Stock Exchange and the other exchanges. Um, one of the key indexes that I follow as kind of a composite is the HUI. We call it the HUI. Yeah. And boy, that baby came down and it has held support at about 105. It's not like, you know, it used to be 600 something. But at 105, it's held support for about five months really strongly. And now it's beginning to move up and it's, it's moved through its 100-day moving average. Again, uh, maybe a loaded question, but how do you feel about the miners? Uh, do you think maybe we finally have, have seen a bottom? Well, as you know, Craig, most of my money is invested in miners, and, and I was a huge participant in buying certain things, critical investments for myself last year. Um, one of the things that most people probably don't appreciate, that in certain countries, the exchange rate has, a, has had a hugely favorable impact, impact for miners, whether it's Canadian dollars, Australian dollars. The most relevant one is South Africa, where the price of gold has doubled in South African rand. So we're seeing some big moves in, in these kinds of stocks that are benefiting by the weak currencies because most of their expenses are denominated in the, uh, the local currency. Uh, and, of course, some of those are part of the UE index. So uh, I just think the outlook, now that we have the U.S. price going up, I mean, it could get very exciting for all of these companies. I think most of them have trimmed their costs. They've got control of their cash flows here. And if we could get a little move in the price of gold, it could be very exciting because literally like a $100 increase in the price of gold could double some earnings. And a $200 increase triple some earnings. So you can imagine the impact on that index of a bit of a, a rise in the price of gold here. It would be quite stunning. You make an excellent point, Eric. And as we discussed earlier, if these currency wars, if this uh, uh, strategic a rolling weakness from one currency to the next continues. If that's going to be a continuing theme in 2016, then what you just said about a, that's a fundamental impact on many of these miners. Yeah, it, it, you can really see it. I mean, most of us don't study Australian mining companies or South African mining companies. Some of them have had stunning moves. I mean, they're up hundreds of percents already. But we don't see it because we're we're more focused on, uh, on U.S. stocks. But... Mm -hmm. uh, those guys who have operations, and of course lots of the U.S. guys have operations in foreign countries too, so they would be benefiting by that. But the, the change, it's that delta that can affect the earnings of a mining company. is so dramatic here that the opportunity to make, make an outsized gain in stocks is uh, something that people should participate in. And quite frankly, it's something I've been uh, 
very active on for my own account. Well, Eric, you've set the table for, I think, was what's going to be a very exciting 2016. We've just kind of brushed upon some of the overall themes we'll be discussing here at, at uh, Sprott Money News. But boy, oh boy, anybody listening, I think, has certainly got their interest peaked. It's going to be a fun year, and I look forward to visiting with you each and every Friday to talk about things. You know, Craig, all I hope for, I hope we can get a couple more weeks like this. <laughs> you know, it's so difficult in this business, right? I think I said at the end of last year, it'd be nice to be able to have these conversations when things are working for us, and it'd be nice to just have it a bit of a continuum here, and I certainly hope that that happens and expect it to happen. I don't think it'll take the lines off my forehead or turn my hair back to its original color, but it'll certainly make me feel better. Good for you. Eric, thank you so much for your time today. Okay, Craig, all the best. And thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a great weekend.